We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host Nick Pilato. It's draft season. Draft profiles are on the way. You've probably heard a few we've already dropped. More coming. But one thing we want to start to do as well is look at some 30,000-foot view stuff. And so today, as you can see from the title of this episode, we are breaking down what our opinion is on the Giants' five biggest needs heading into the 2023 draft. Now, let me make things clear before we get started on the criteria. This is not going to be a list of, on paper, the obvious biggest needs. This is also not going to be a list of on paper what we want. We don't, Nick and I are not the analysts to come to that say, our needs are this and this and this. That means round one, you take this position. Round two, you take that position. Round three, you take that position. Only idiots draft like that. Only the worst teams in NFL history, the teams that fire their GMs and cycle through GMs, are the teams that are drafting on need. The draft is not about filling your needs. The draft is about finding your foundational core players. You don't need to worry about needs in the draft. If anything, Free agency is for filling needs, and you really shouldn't even go crazy there. Don't do any big contracts, but middling contracts to fill needs. The draft is all about finding your core foundational players, and you can really never have too many players at any one position is the real honesty about it. Maybe quarterback's the only one if you have, obviously, like one of the elite guys. You don't need to keep going there, but really, you can never have too many of one position except for something like quarterback or center is a good example of that too, right, Nick? If you have an elite center and he's young, there's no real reason to draft a center because it's a onesie position. But every other position besides center and besides quarterback, you really never have too many of. And they can come on the field from multiple, multiple on the field at the same time. There's injuries. So what we're going to do here is focus on positional value while ranking our five biggest needs, right? Because obviously you can look on paper and say center is the biggest need because we only have Ben Bredesen there right now. But center's a onesie position, so it's not going to be the number one need for Nick or I because we don't believe in onesie positions being pushed up the board because we are a positional value-focused podcast. We are, and good, by the way, Joe Shane has made multiple mentions throughout his tenure that he is positional value-focused as well. So that's going to factor in as well. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to break down our five biggest needs, each of us, one by one. I'll have Nick go, then I'll go. And then we're just going to talk about each position. So it's not going to be an order of that. We're just going to go through all the positions that we ranked. And if we have different ones, we'll each talk about that position as well. So, Nick, you can go and go from uh, order of five to one. So your fifth biggest need. You know, actually, that can be confusing. I take it back. Go your biggest need first because it's less confusing and all the way down to five. And then I'll do mine and we'll see where we compare. 
Dan, I feel like you did a good job laying out the foundation of this because if you look at this Giants roster, they have needs everywhere. All right. So I think it's going to come down to how the Giants value said player. But for the sake of this podcast, we did make a list of five. But there are positions that aren't on this list that I'm like, dude, this is a freaking need. I do not want to omit this. I'm going to get trashed for this. But right now, sitting in this chair, this is the five that I came up with. Maybe tomorrow I'll have a different list. But here's okay. the five. I'll start with number one. I still think it's cornerback. I do. I like Cordell Flott. I think Obuarie is a... Wait wait for now to get into the breakdown. We'll, we'll go position by position. For okay. now, just, just rank them and then we'll do we'll do it that way. So okay, so yeah. n- number one is cornerback. You want me to go through my top five right now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. we'll go position by position after that. Okay. Spoiling before the listeners get yeah, to the, the end early of the spoil. Okay, so I have cornerback, wide receiver, interior offensive line, and this is where I struggle just mightily. I kind of think edge for depth because of Aziz Ojolari's injuries. And if you look at the depth chart, it's a lot, not, not a lot there. And then defensive tackle. And then I have linebacker and safety slightly after, just to cheat a little bit. Okay. So mine is cornerback one. And if we're doing a tier-based system like I do for fantasy football drafts, tier drop for me. I think cornerback is in a tier of its own as far as need goes right now, looking at this roster and how important the position is. Wide receiver still two for me, Nick, because I still value it. And so um, we can go into more of this why later. Um, Safety is my three. Center, my four. Offensive guard, my fifth. I split those up. If you're going to put those together into your offensive line, I'll put that as my four and then off-ball linebacker as my fifth. Doesn't mean I'm not worried about the other positions as well. So let's go position by position. Your fifth was, uh, which one was your fifth again? My fifth was defensive tackle. Okay, so let's start there at defensive tackle and the state of the Giants' defensive tackle position right now and why it's one of your top five needs. So for defensive tackle, it's mainly you don't want Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams to be on the field as often and as frequently as they've been this past couple seasons. Leonard Williams is 29 years old right now. He's making just an absolute F ton of money. Was injured a lot last year, despite the fact that he really hasn't dealt with injuries his entire career. Dexter Lawrence played like the fourth most defensive line snaps at 345 pounds. You can't have that. I really like Nacho. And if you look at teams that have been successful recently, they have a lot of depth and they cycle through interior defensive linemen. They have guys playing like 35 snaps a game and they get the most out of their stars. You look at the Eagles, for instance, they have a guy named Milton Williams who tested out of the the world a couple of drafts ago. No one even knows about him, but he gives them valuable snaps on the inside. I think it's, it's critical to, to have a wide rotation of defensive linemen and edge rushers and pass rushers in general who can offer different things and who can competently slide into this defense. We've talked about this before. Wink Martindale doesn't want to give too many of his players a full complement of snaps. It's usually like one player who's a safety, which is going to end the cornerbacks. That, that's it. A lot of these other positions, the linebackers, the, the uh, second, some of the other second-level defenders, and then the defensive linemen, he likes to rotate them and keep them fresh. And I think that's important, man, because if you suffer one injury right now to one of those three, including Nacho, who are we talking about on the defensive line? We need the Giants to stop the run. We've stressed that all offseason. Talk about DJ Davidson coming off of a torn ACL. Then you get into the Vernon Butler and the Ryder Andersons of the world. And I'm not overly confident with those two types of players. Again, this is not a 
I would say a pressing need. I could be talked into safety being a bigger need, certainly, but I'm still focusing on shutting down the rushing attack. And we're not used to this, Dan. Our entire time doing this podcast, Giants have had stout run defense. With Patrick Graham, their run defense was excellent, right? I mean, back when they had Damon Snacks Harrison, when they had Dalvin Tomlinson, they had young Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams when they traded for him. They've always had a great run defense. Last year, it was freaking horrendous. And that was because our linebackers sucked, but it was also because of their defensive line and the lack of depth there. So that's one reason why I don't want to see players like Justin Ellis, no offense to Justin Ellis, on the football field wearing blue next season. That's a great point, Nick. And I think you look at the Ashawn Robinson interest the Giants had, no contract was signed there. I would guess that the they're way off on price is the situation there. Uh, Ashawn Robinson and his agent are probably likely waiting for more of a market to develop based on an injury. Someone loses, some team loses a, you know, a Leonard Williams type, let's say, knock on wood. I don't want to even bring his name up. Someone loses a Quinnen Williams, no offense, Jets fan, knock on wood again. I don't want that happening to you. But say he gets injured for the season in, in May or something like that, a bad, bad workout injury, tears his ACL or Achilles. Now that type of guy could have a much bigger market in Ashawn Robinson. So I'm sure they're waiting, and I don't know if he'll ultimately sign based on the cap space the Giants have. So because of that, there is still a need for depth there. And like Nick broke down, I thought you broke down very well. This is one of the positions where depth is very important because you want to have that rotation, ideally. And kudos to Dave Gettleman. It was one of the few things he got right. He said, I've looked at some of these Super Bowl teams, and they had a good defensive line rotation. And I felt that was definitely the case for both the Eagles and the Chiefs this year. I think they both had really good defensive line rotations, and it played a big role because you're spelling these guys. And Dexter Lawrence cannot be asked to play the amount of snaps he was last year. It's just not feasibly possible. And Leonard Williams on the other side, on the other side of that, well, he's like you said, he had an injury last year. Maybe a good way to keep him fresh is by not having him play an insane amount of snaps. So outside of Nacho and those two, you can't really feel comfortable right now with anyone else from a depth standpoint on the defensive line. You're hoping DJ Davidson takes a step forward in year two, but he's a fifth round pick. And a lot of those just get washed out in the NFL. We can't just be the team that always expects every one of our draft picks to hit because that's not a reality in the NFL. The opposite is, is, is almost true in a lot of ways. So, I'm with you on this. It's a very important need. It didn't make my top five just because I really like what they have on the top end with Williams, Nacho, and Lawrence. But I can see from a depth standpoint why it's really important right now. And also for me, a lot of what I felt like with the run game, yes, there were defensive line issues. Like everyone remembers the rep where <laughs> Jason Kelsey just absolutely embarrassed not um, – Kendrick Ellis in the playoff game. And it's like, what Kendrick, the hell is that? The team, Justin Ellis, Kendrick Ellis, yeah. uh, another defensive lineman, uh, yeah. Justin Ellis in the, in the playoff game. And you're like, yeah, like this can't happen. But I feel like a lot of the giants run issues last year were more the sideline to sideline stuff, the linebackers. And just like, to be quite honest, dude, I didn't feel like our edges set our, our the guys who were playing on the end line of scrimmage set the edge that well. And that's just like an issue they have as well. And I would like to, if I could, I know you haven't gone over your yeah. fifth position yet, but I would like to kind of bleed into my fourth position because I do believe they are related in this Wink Martindale system, specifically with one player who the Giants retained, Jihad Ward. Jihad Ward can kick inside. My fourth biggest need was edge because you need Jihad Ward on the edge right now in this defense because you don't have anybody behind an often injured Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. That is not Timon Fox, a UDFA, who was you know solid but a replaceable player, and an Ellerson Smith who hardly has seen the football field. I think edge is a low-key need that no one is discussing on the New York Giants right now. Because if Ojolari or Kayvon get injured, what are we discussing here? We know, the New York Giants know very well, you win Super Bowls 
by bringing in a lot of pass rushers, keeping them fresh, getting them into the fourth quarter, and then just having them just pin their ears back and get after the passer. OCU Manure, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, Dave Tollefson, if we really want to just get down into the depth of it. The Giants don't have any depth out on edge. And I feel like the defensive tackle and the edge need, maybe in this defense with players like Jihad Ward and some of the guys coming into this draft, some of those players can play both positions. But right now, looking at this depth chart, it's very concerning for me at edge. I know the Giants spent a one and a two in the last two drafts at edge, but man, dude, they need edge help. You can't rely on Ellerson Smith. Tamon Fox, that's going to be your third guy if Jihad Ward has to play snaps at defensive tackle. Like, the Giants are going to invest at edge in this draft class, and I think they have to. I just don't know exactly where. That's kind of where I'm at, man. Like this, this edge and defensive tackle, they still need depth at both of those positions. I think it's critical for this defense. I really like that call, Nick, for a multitude of reasons. First of all, I think if I allowed myself to do a little bit of uh, you would consider cheating, I just consider gaming the system. That's two different <laughs> words for me. I would be able to then uh, mix my fifth and fourth knee because I had center at four and an offensive guard at five. You had interior offensive line as a whole. It's a little bit of gaming there on your part. And then I would put edge into, into my top five because I think you've so, and I had off ball and edge as like my honorable mentions, but I think after listening to your breakdown, I move edge well ahead of off ball linebacker for a multitude of reasons for starters, why it's out of off ball for me. Edge is just so much more higher on the positional value chart for me than off ball linebacker. Like if you get, if you edges are the guys who impact the pass game, edges are the guys who set the edge too in the run game. There's so, there's so much importance behind what they can do. And three of the things that you broke down are just so pro prominent right now in my mind. The first one being Aziz Ojolari has an injury history, and it's a pretty sizable, decent injury history that we don't love right now. And, you know, it wasn't the reason he dropped in the draft. People thought he had a degenerative knee issue that hasn't actually been a problem for him. But he's had all these other injuries, the calf and all this stuff that's really kept him off the field. He's been amazing when he's on the field, but that's not something you can just, you know, turn away from and say it's not there right now. And I know I'm the guy who says I'm an injury agnostic for the most part. And I don't truly believe in injury histories overall. But when you start to see compounding injuries over and over the similar areas of the lower body half, you start to get a little concerned for sure. So I'm concerned there. The other thing is, like you said, they might want to use Jihad Ward in a multitude of roles. And then it's like, what the hell is left? Tom and Fox and Ellerson Smith, who came over from the last regime. So there really is a massive lack of depth too at that position as well. So you factor those two things in, you factor how important it is to rush the passer. You factor how important, in my opinion, in this specific scheme, it is to set the edge from these guys, like there's just so much response. There's so I feel like they put so much responsibility on these guys set the edge on these outside plays, these outside power gap runs and things like that, where they're just like the last guy there to, to set the edge on the line of scrimmage. And I feel like it is way more important. It's an incredibly underrated need for the Giants because no one's talking about it. You're right. Like most people who are covering the Giants or talking about the Giants or whatever are being like, oh, yeah, they need a guard, a center, a safety, a receiver, a corner. Some people you put running back in the mix, tight end. But no one's talking about edge just because we invested two premium picks. But that's not it right now because not only does the two premium picks not guarantee you any depth like you talked about, one of those premium picks in Aziz Ojolari has been injured a lot. He has been injured a lot. And I'll give you a dark horse on the Giants roster who could possibly fill that need. And that's Darian Beavers at mm -hmm. UConn. When he was at UConn, he was an edge rusher. He played edge for Cincinnati. He had a decent amount of snaps there. And he's a big dude. I think he can set the edge, at least in college. He did. It's hard to kind of translate that. We only saw a little bit of him in preseason before he tore his ACL against the Bengals. But Darian Beavers is a, a dark horse to, to slide into that position and be depth there. But you can't rely on him to play significant snaps at a position that he 
didn't really train too much with last season with the Giants because he was playing off-ball linebacker. That's how they were relying on him. And then Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, people can put their names out there. I don't think the Giants are going to be relying on them as edge rushers. Those guys are purely special teams assets right here, good ones at that. So that's one of the reasons why I think the edge, like the Giants could go edge. It could surprise some people. I don't think it will be in round one or anything like that. But if it's a day two pick, like say if they do it in the third round on an edge rusher, I wouldn't be shocked by that because they definitely need to add pass rushers. Look what the Eagles did, man. Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. I mean, Barnett was hurt last year, but they had a bunch of guys like Brandon Graham and a bunch of edge rushers that just kept cycling in and they were always fresh and they ended up almost breaking the record last year <laughs> for sacks. I mean, it wasn't just because they had a lot of guys, but they had a lot of good guys and those good guys, those high-end guys like Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat were excellent for them. And I think Aziz Ojolari and Kayvon Thibodeau, I don't know if they can get to that level, but that's the hope, right? But you need those guys behind them as well for when those guys need a breather to actually right. go out in your ears back and get after the passer. And if you want those guys to be as effective as they can be, you need to give them these breathers. That's kind of part of the point here that you're mentioning with the yeah. Eagles. They have all these different guys, and that may mean a better outcome or a better per snap production from players like Josh Sweat and Hassan Redigwetter's breakout year. So, yeah, I like that call a lot. Edge is a much bigger need than, than even I had going into this exercise, and I'm moving it up my list, and it's something that's very underrated right now among Giants fans. Let's talk about my five and four because one of them I think is your four. You have interior offensive line. I have offensive guard five, center four. I mean, we can group them. I feel a little, the reason I have offensive guard five center four is I feel a little bit more comfortable with offensive guard because I like Josh Azudu a lot and I like his profile moving forward. But really you get off Azudu and I do like Bredesen to some extent. Now, I don't love Bredesen, but I like him to some extent. You get off Azudu, you get off a some extent kind of play with Bredesen. You're really dry right now on the interior offensive line. Like there's a starter I didn't mention, Mark Lewinsky, but I'm not really a huge Mark Lewinsky fan. I do like that he played better at the end of the season. It was kind of like, it was good at the beginning horrible then for not horrible pretty bad for a long time and then got kind of good again at the end weirdly um but i don't really love him long term i don't even love him in the now so i look past the zudu and then past bredesen and i feel like we're really dry both at guard and center guard to me is a more important position has much more positional value center is a onesie position there's only 32 playing in the nfl at all times and you can find them late in my opinion and they can be undersized and still work guard that's not the case in a lot of ways you can find some late but it's not always they can't really be undersized and there's two of them that need to play rather than one but where do you stand on both guard and center right now no one likes it dry it's got to be moist and i'm right there with you man i <laughs> i think the giants have a lot of potential right you have a lot of players who are developmental at guard and supposedly, according to Joe Shane, they're being cross-trained at center. And those players are Shane Lemieux. Not high on that. Seen a lot of Shane Lemieux. He's been injured a lot. Not exactly want to. I don't exactly want to rely on that. Jack Anderson had some good tape with Philadelphia. Messed up a little bit last year. Can you rely on that? Do you want to improve on that? I would say yes. Marcus McKethan. Where are we at with him? Torres ACL, the blue and white scrimmage. Huge, gigantic human being, but can you rely on that? No. Wyatt Davis, that's another developmental piece. So you have a bunch of developmental pieces, but no one that you can solidify in there. And if we're thinking long-term, Dan, right guard and center, big question marks. We have no answers long-term for right guard and center. That's the majority. That's two-thirds of your interior yeah. offensive line. And the left guard position, Josh Azudu, is dealing with a neck injury. All right? We don't know the extent of that. We know nothing about it. It could be nothing, but... We remember last offseason, we discussed a lot about Daniel Jones's neck injury. Daniel Jones was fine last year, as we saw. 
but neck injuries can get tricky. So I just kind of want to put that out there. I have no in information on it. He could be completely fine. Let's hope that he's completely fine. But you're relying on that third round pick to be your left guard. And I can't say with 100% certainty that I feel great neck injury not involved that Josh Azudu was going to be the answer there. We hope that he can be the answer there. He's shown traits and he's shown progress and he's displayed things that have got us all excited. But can you sit here and say, yeah, yeah, that's our left guard of the future. I can't because there's still some aspects of his game that need to certainly be ironed out. And certainly we need to see him take the right progress and the right development going forward. So you could be looking at if Josh Azudu flares out this year, or if that neck injury is serious, three interior offensive line positions that the Giants don't necessarily have long-term answers for, but you have a lot of pieces that you can develop. Can Bobby Johnson turn a Jack Anderson into a reliable starter? Can Marcus McKethan be a reliable starter for the Giants moving forward? I can't sit here and say with any sort of certainty that that's going to happen. You have contingency plans, but none of them really make me feel all that comfortable other than hopefully if Josh Azuda is healthy, he'll take steps that that will allow me to feel comfortable next offseason. But right now, it's not necessarily uh, a player that I'm like, yeah, pencil him in. He's definitely our long-term starter going forward. I think it's a great synopsis, Nick, and it makes me in the moment almost wonder if neither of us are ranking this need as high as it maybe should be. Maybe. Maybe, maybe the most important or the second most, definitely not most important for me, but it might be the mo second most important need just based on that synopsis. Cause I think with Azudu, you really brought up a great point. There's multiple ways for it to fail. We think about the neck injury, but I'm really excited about Josh Azudu. I know you are too. I'm super excited yeah. about always a kind of prospect who's that kind of size and has that kind of movement skills and pop his movement skills but a lot of that translates more to the run game than the pass game and there were issues in his pass protection last year that were not reminiscent but like just somewhat reminded me of the Shane Lemieux type issues uh in pass protection and that's not something that I can just get over and skip over and say it's automatically going to fix next season we don't know not only might that not next fix fix next season with good coaching it may never fix like we always think like all oh, these guys can develop they can take on to coaching no not everyone can some people have habits that don't get broken and some people don't fix or change their ways and so there's still ways for him to go as a pass protector so now there really isn't any kind of certainty on the zero offensive line anywhere like, to be completely honest, I think there is a floor for a player like Bredesen that's decently high as far as floors go. And maybe just the fact that Azudu can move and pop like that, it gives him more of an overall floor. Like, as just like a good run blocker that may always be like medium to bad and pass pro, that's still kind of like a floor player or a decent floor, I should say. Now, obviously, he's a ceiling type player. We're looking for the ceiling there. But I still think he has somewhat of a floor there. But overall, like you said, there's a lot of issues there. And if you have three bad interior offensive linemen on paper and in, in mindset wise, that's really bad for your quarterback. That's really bad for your running back. It's really bad for your offensive system and your offense overall. And that might mean it's a much bigger need. I think of it taking a step back though, Nick, and I want to get your thoughts on this. This is, I guess, more 30,000, but few because on paper, it looks really bad. We just went over it. There's no short things. And even a zoo is a projection. but I want to talk about 30,000 for few. Think about all the tape we watched last year. And this is just what comes to my mind. Outside of some Gowinski reps, especially in that middle part of the season, and some reps from Azudu, and the occasional rep from the center position, but not even that often, I feel like the Giants' interior offensive line, from just a pure tape production standpoint, wasn't actually a problem at most of the time as pass protection. Maybe I'm not putting enough um, you know, onus on what they did in the run game and how they limited our run game. That could be true. I don't know. That's something, that, again, better question for you. But when I think about what happened in the past game and when most of the problems came from, it was mostly from Evan Neal 
right over there at right tackle. And sometimes Golinski, but mostly from Evan Neal and that whole right side of it. I feel like even with all the shifting they did at left guard and even, you know, center was mostly Felice Center, but all the shifting they did at left guard, it didn't, and maybe this is also partially credit to Andrew Thomas, but I didn't really feel like it was that much of a problem. There were past years where the Giants interior offensive line was horrific. I mean, horrific over the last decade where every yeah. single snap, they blow a stunt every single snap. They're being tier pressure. That wasn't really the case last year, despite on paper, everything said it kind of should have been. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I would say the right side was an issue for yeah. the majority of the season. I think they did play better down the stretch, not necessarily Evan Neal. Mark Lewinsky, there was a large period of the season where we were like, let's bench this guy. I think I wrote about it on Big Blue View. I'm like, yo, if he continues like this, I think you need to think about putting somebody else in there. And I think that was around the time Ben Bredesen was hurt because Ben Bredesen, to me right now, is the safest interior offensive lineman that you have. Not named Mark Lewinsky, just because Mark Lewinsky, you can pencil him at right guard. The Giants have him under contract. They can get out of that contract after this season. But I feel better about Ben Bredesen today than I do Josh Azudu and all of these other more depth type of pieces. But you brought it up a little bit before. The potential and the sky is the limit for a player like Josh Azudu. He has such a higher ceiling than a player like Ben Bredesen. But you're right, man. If I had to nailed down one liability on the offensive line last year. It was easily Evan Neal. Evan yeah. Neal significantly struggled starting on the right side. We heard that like maybe it's because he had that midseason injury. And I think it's fair to surmise that. I do. But at the same time, man, it seemed like it was going to be rocky even back before we drafted him. We said that, right? It's going to be a little bit rocky early on. I think it was a little bit rockier than we hoped. I do. I think and that Cowboys we, game was before the injury too, where he was really bad was. in that game. Yes, it was. And that's a tough assignment to Marcus Lawrence and Michael Parsons. But but this is the NFC East. There's a lot of good pass rushers in the NFC East. There's a lot of good interior defensive linemen in the NFC East. You need to be able to, to, to block those guys, really, man. You need to be able to be effective. I think we'll learn a lot in the first five weeks of the season about Evan Neal. We did about Andrew Thomas, right? Andrew Thomas started figuring it out at the end of his rookie season, but there were still like the Ravens game and the damn Cardinals, Cardinals. game with, with Hassan yeah. Reddick and who's now in the NFC East, of course. But there were still there were still better technique. I felt like Andrew Thomas stopped oversetting so much. He seemed a little bit more confident at the end of that season. And then in year two, it was like, oh, wow, he's a, kind of a different player. And then in year three, it's like, dude, he's like a top three tackle in the league. Mm -hmm. I think we'll learn a lot in the first five games about Evan Neal. If he's still just getting tossed to the ground, no balance, 
questionable hand timing and things that he didn't struggle with in college. That's like one thing that like bothered right. me about Evan Neal's tape is one of the things I loved about him was he had like judo ninja type of hands in college. He varied his punches. He, his aiming points, all that stuff was, was pretty squared away, but the NFL man accounting for speed, it just never seemed like he, he Killed. was able to, it, it never seemed like he was able to figure it out. And that hurt all the things that he did in college well. So like everything that he was doing good in college, it didn't translate to the NFL because he never knew how to time up opposing pass rushers and where to be and when to be there. And the balance issues were just a glaring, glaring uh, deficiency throughout his game. But I think I, I still, I don't want to say I remain high, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful. Like that's where I'm at. I'm hopeful. And I believe in the kid's character and all the traits and the athletic ability and all that stuff that he does possess. But in terms of the interior offensive line, man, yeah, I, I, I do agree, man. I think this is um, a bigger a bigger long-term need. And I know a lot of people are talking about the center position, but those guard positions long-term might not have a solution right now. Yeah. We can't just count Azudo as a guaranteed solution. It's not a guarantee by any means. And I think on the Neil front, it's really interesting what you said, because I do remain very high and hopeful everyone to term it on Neil. And a lot of it is because of what you just said, right? I feel like with Neil last year, what you said is so true. He never accounted for the speed of those NFL pass rushers. And then it kind of just threw off the timing completely for him. And it threw off his whole plan. All the things you said he did well from a technical standpoint, the college level against those college pass rushers. And again, remember SEC level and yet still playing against SEC, the best of the best. There's still the incredible jump. Just remember that when you're evaluating these prospects on film, yeah. when they're playing big 10 competition or even worse than big 10 competition. Some people think is good. I think is overrated, but like just, there's nothing real. It, there's no way to account for the jump to NFL level. But as far as what you said, never actually adjusting to not adjusting to, but never having kind of a good feel for the speed and what to play. It throws off the entire timing. And once you throw off the entire timing of his past, of his past production plan, that could ruin him. Like, you know what I mean? Like that could just be, it right there and if you can if he starts to figure that out like if the, if he catches up to the speed of it then everything else could start to come into the timing and maybe it's just like that it's simple as that nick like we're like speed slows the game slows down for him and then everything else comes together and and starts to come more on time and you know in rhythm because he started to understand and get a feel for the speed it's possible well that's what andrew thomas did right yes he was overshedding a lot but I, I want to say I was higher on Andrew Thomas coming out of the draft than I was Evan Neal. I know Evan Neal was my tackle one last year, and Andrew Thomas was my tackle two in, in the 2020 draft. But I also just think the 2020 draft, they were just better tackles than what we yeah. saw last year. And I, I really hope that and it's a hope. I don't like using that word because what the hell does that mean? But that's kind of where we're at. I, I see videos of him really working on his craft and his set and kind of changing up how he exploded out of his stance. And I just hope that he can figure that part out really me too. And I like that. As they said in those videos, I forgot who was, he was working one of the off former off the time. He's like, I have a lot of respect for Bobby Johnson. Cause he lets me take him out here and, you know, change up some yeah. of the things that he's probably been coached on to do and just try to get the feel for what's best for this player rather than what the coach wants. And I think that's really important on the Andrew Thomas front versus Neil. The only thing for me, why I'm a little less confident in him fixing the Andrew Thomas, like you said, yes, issue was similar with Thomas to that. He was oversetting. He was you know, trying to deal with the speed, but just looking at the two players as prospects and just like watching them on tape, Andrew Thomas is just much smoother and also just doesn't have that whole like top heavy, uh, off balance yeah. to his game at all. It was never a balance issue for Thomas. It was more just what you said. He needed to fix one quick thing. He was oversetting and that kind of changed everything. So 
it's not a one for one comparison, but like you said, I do like the player's character. I like that he's working his ass off in the offseason. I like that he's working with former offensive line coaches and offensive linemen. Like these are all good things for me as far as the player goes. But it, it, it didn't make our list, but offensive tackle is not is not a lock in thing either for us. We have one for sure lock, but you know, that's a time thing because they'll never invest in another premium offensive tackle, at least until the end of Neil's contract. Or if Neil really has another really bad season, that's when they maybe start to consider. Yeah, I think you can take a swing later in the draft on offensive tackle, but yeah. not for the the reason that you don't believe in Evan Neal. It's more just, hey, we need a swing tackle, a developmental swing tackle, because Matt Parrott's contract is going to expire eventually. I mean, it was a 2020 pick, so he only has he what? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he has another year left on that contract. And now uh, with, with Evan Neal, though, like if it did go south and then you hit on that player, then you could start having that conversation. But I'm not even entertaining that until the end of this year, really, or unless it's like horrendously bad or worse than last year. And then you can start entertaining it during the season, which you never want to really do. That's not an ideal situation. Wouldn't want to put that on Bobby Johnson. Yo, figure yeah. it out. Get this rookie in there to start over Evan Neal. Like that's a yeah. terrible, terrible that spot. Re- yeah, that would be really bad for the Giants. Um, yeah, and we'll see what happens with, with Matt Pear. That was an interesting name you just threw out there. It's so funny. When we were watching that blue and white scrimmage last summer, you and I were at the game. We were sitting like three, three rows up. I remember making a comment to you. I was looking at that all the guys in the group of the Giants offensive line. There were like four guys that looked to me like difference-making fra- NFL yeah. frames at the position. Parrot was one of them. And it's just crazy that he just hasn't been able to really because it's everyone's like, oh, maybe he needs to grow into his frame. I think his frame's fine. That's not the issue with Parrot. He's just not a very good offensive tackle right now or hasn't been in the games he's played. And so I don't know if that'll ever develop. And that just goes to show, you know, never get too excited about these third round picks. Third round is a bust round. Every round is a bust round, except for nothing. Basically, the blue chips early. Everything else can be a bust at any time. That was a high upside pick, and I was completely for it. I I don't knock that pick at all. 99th pick in the draft, high upside pick. If you could have landed Matt Parrott, if he could have developed. And honestly, man, there was good tape early on. His early tape against Washington was really impressive. It's just his inability to protect his outside shoulder has always been an issue. And that comes down to how he punches, how he absorbs contact. I feel like it's kind of like a, a turnstile type of door. Whenever somebody really presses high side against that outside shoulder, he has the footwork and he has the, I think, lower body flexion to protect that. But he just doesn't do that consistently enough. And we saw that against the Ravens, which was, a you know, what was that? 2020, I think it was when, when he gave up, I think like three sacks in a row. And I was like, oh man, poor Daniel Jones is getting absolutely murdered back there. (laughs) And it's a great point because you're right. You can just beat him high side over and over. And it's, it's weird because he has everything from the lower half down. But I think like you said, best it's the hand usage that just isn't there for him. I don't know if it's ever going to get there for him, but we'll see. But the Giants definitely need a swing tackle, too. So let's get to third on your list, and we can get to third on my list because I think they were two different positions. What was third on your list? We already went over third on my list. Third on my list was interior offensive line. So if you want to jump into your third, which is one of my big needs that I didn't have on my list, so I really want to talk about it. Yeah. So it's safety for me. And the reason it's so high on my list versus uh, maybe Knicks or some other list you might see or people who talk about needs is just simply for me because Wink Martindale is defensive coordinator and because of what I saw on film last year. What I saw on film last year was a coordinator who not only wants to, but will use a ton of safeties on the field at a lot of the time. Most of the time, there's safeties on the field. And he did that despite having a slew of injuries at safety. Uh, One guy broke his hand on the bye week, right? He had injuries to... um, 
basically everyone besides Julian Love dealt with injuries at that safe position at some point. Dane Belton dealt with an injury. They had to bring in Landon Collins off the street. Like that's a big need. Like you try Tony Jefferson came in and played off the street. Like you're talking Jason Pinnock off a practice squad and playing him. So there's a variety of different things he had to do. And despite having to go like all up and down his depth chart at safety and find guys off the street, Wink Martindale still played safeties all the time. I clear to me at least that he wants to play safeties a lot. And maybe again, it was because of the linebackers, but because they didn't have talent linebacker. But then you look at it and you're like, is that true? When he also kind of didn't have talent at safety based on the injuries, obviously, and still played safeties a ton. And that makes me leads me to believe that safeties are a big part of what he wants to do fundamentally. And because they're a big part of what he wants to do fundamentally, I don't really feel comfortable right now with anyone but McKinney. And I know he wants to run three out there. He wants to rotate guys in there. Maybe Belton can evolve. But for me right now, they have one certain sure lock at a position where they want to play three on the field most of the time or a lot. Not most of the time. They'll play D-backs, the corners too. But yeah. a lot of the time. And so, or a good amount of the time, enough amount of the time. And so for me, it's a position where they don't have much and they need a lot. So it's up there for me. It's definitely up there for me as well. Bobby McCain, I'm comfortable with Bobby McCain as your third safety, rotating in. Maybe he could play nickel for you too if Darnay Holmes falls off a little bit. As your second safety, that's a step down from Julian Love. Now, if Bobby McCain beats out Dane Belton, I said this on a previous podcast, and I mean, that's an issue. That's not good, right? The foursome heh, of Bobby McCain Xavier McKinney, Dane Belton, and Jason Pinnock doesn't really grab you, right? Like you want another name in there. And I think the Giants will invest and bring another safety in to compete for snaps. I think you're spot on. Giants ran quarter. That means defensive linemen, edge rushers, and then seven plus defensive backs out there. Sick. They ran that 10% of the time. I think there was one other team that was somewhat close, like the Raiders. And then every other team was like a 1%, 0.5%. Like nobody was running quarter personnel. The Giants were doing it on like first and 10, sometimes in the red zone. Like they're just like crazy. Like that is so unique. Like nobody does that. But Wink Martindale doesn't give a F about it, man. If he wants to put his speed out there, his speed package out there, he's going to use that speed package, especially if you're an opposing offense that passes the football a lot. Passes the football a lot on first and 10, pass football a lot out of 11 personnel, and you have a reliable defensive back like a Landon Collins or a Tony Jefferson who can fit the run adequately for a safety, right? And then those bigger type of personnel packages. I don't know if Dane Belton is that. Bobby McCain, look, I like his aggressiveness, specifically in coverage. Don't think he has pop on contact. It's definitely a step down in terms of physicality from the Tony Jeffersons and specifically Landon Collins is of the world. So I still think there is room for another safety who can kind of be your your box safety, your Jabril Peppers, your Landon Collins type of player. I still think there's room for that on this roster. I liked Trenton Thompson coming out, but you can't rely on that. Jason Pinnock, I think the Giants like him a lot, and I think he gets a bad rap among Giants fans. I thought he was fine. A long, explosive player who has range and who can handle a lot of different responsibilities. Terrell Burgess, I remember I liked him in college, but I haven't seen mm. anything about I don't know what happened in the NFL, and I just seen it on the depth chart right here. I'm like, maybe that's a developmental pick, but Regardless of those back-end pieces, I'm right there with you, Dan. I do think this is a, a need that the Giants must explore to really, I guess, get what Wink Martindale wants out of his defense, which is just to put a bunch of defensive backs out there in yeah. certain situations. And I like what you said about Pinnock, because I think Pinnock was better than people realize on film. He, was inter- he wasn't He was great. I'm not too excited about yeah. him or anything, but he was okay. And I, and I also like Burgess' film at college, so I'm curious if there's anything there. I know he was cut, and I know it's probably unlikely, but... I am curious because I thought he was good too. And maybe that is some random gem. It's not like they, it's not like this staff 
And this regime doesn't have a history of it, right? They picked off Isaiah Hodgins out of nowhere and made him into a really good piece of this entire team out of nowhere this year. So it's not impossible for them to do that again at a different position like safety. So I will have my eye on Terrell Burgess. I think he could be an interesting piece. Let's get into your second biggest need, Nick. Second biggest need for the New York Giants is wide receivers, the same as yours. And the Giants haven't had that true number one wide receiver since Odell Beckham. Yeah. Am I missing somebody? Like it's probably since Odell Beckham Jr. And we know the type of impact that he had. And I like the group that they have. I really do. Especially if Colin Johnson can offer anything. Because then you have your two big bodies in Isaiah Hodgins and Colin Johnson. And then you have a bunch of slots. The slot machine team with Sterling Shepard, Paris Campbell, Wandell Robinson. And um, I'm also forgetting some Jamison Crowder, who the Giants signed. You have all those back-end guys like Khalil Pimpleton. You don't really know how they're going to fit in. Of course, I was going to get to him. Jeff Smith, you also have as a special teamer. And then you have Darius Slayton, who is your... I don't want to say he's a tweener between your your big bodies and your smaller bodies because he's six foot one, but he knows this offense well. He really earned his right to come back to this football team by playing as well as he did in 2022. He's not the big body that Isaiah Hodgins is. He's not the smaller guy that Wondell Robinson is, but he's a movable piece who can align in the slot for you. We can align on the backside. They used him in a variety of different ways, and I'm really glad that he's back, but we still need the Giants to, I think, add a playmaker who can be your explosive threat at wide receiver because all of these players that the giants have they're all i would say different they all offer different types of skill sets i think there's one player on this roster who could possibly fit that bill and that is paris campbell i think paris campbell can be that explosive playmaker we haven't really seen it at the nfl level i would argue in his one healthy season he did not have a great situation around him with a coaching staff that was fired jeff saturday calling plays for him and matt ryan and sam ellinger and nick Foles as his quarterback And that was his best season. So I think if he stays healthy, number zero could be that explosive playmaker who, um, who can take this wide receiver core to, to another level. But I still think you need to invest and maybe get a long-term option because who the hell is the giants wide receivers next year? Wondell Robinson, Darius Slayton, and that's freaking it right now. So you still need to, to add a rookie to this team. And I think it's still a priority. Yeah, I think you did a great job breaking it down there for me. Why it's number two on the list is a combination of positional value Wide receiver is one of the most important positions in the NFL right now by far. It's wide receiver, corner, quarterback for me. I still believe in, in tackles. In the offensive line, I still believe in edges to some extent, but I'd rather have corner than edge. It's those five for me for sure in their own bucket and way ahead of anything else. So that's the first thing. The second thing is what you said. The Giants don't still have two things. One, long-term answers at wide receiver. They have short-term answers. They don't have any long-term answers. And two, a true alpha X number one type of guy who commands defensive attention, who forces defenses to roll coverage, who forces defenses to bracket coverage, who opens up the rest of the field schematically by having so much attention focused on that one guy. Now, having said all that, the reason it's a big teardrop for me between this need and the one that's my number one need is at least at this position, they have a ton of capable players in the now. Like you said, I am very high on Paris Campbell like you are. I think there's a chance here for a potential breakout with the Giants. I think there's a lot of factors in his profile that I like, mainly the one you said. I love buying in on players who just suffered through really bad quarterback play. Like you said, it was his one healthy season, and he had some really big flashes on tape, some of which we saw against the Giants when he went up and caught that pass down the field. It was a really nice play on the ball. And yet... He played with Sam Ellinger for parts of his season. Sam freaking Ellinger. I mean, Sam Ellinger is probably a step above the Jake Fromm level, but not that far above. 
And he's not that far above the Glennon level for me, because at least Glennon can hit all spots on the field with his arm. And then you have Nick Foles, who looked scared in the pocket back there last year, was just like so done with his career and was happy to be a backup. And then I'm like, no, Nick, you got to play this year, buddy. He's like, are you kidding me? I signed with a team that had Ellinger. I thought there was no chance I was going to play this year. Now I have to play football? This is absurd. This sucks. So, I mean, there's value to me in that, in the sense that you didn't really, in my opinion, get to see what he's fully capable of. And that also does depress stats. And stats is everything everybody looks at with these guys. But that depresses your stats, bad quarterback play. So I like the upside with Campbell. You know, listening to this podcast, both Nick and I are much higher on Darius Slayton than the average Giants fan base. We're just going to look at the film and make our decision based on that. You can follow our work and you can agree with us or disagree with us. Not that important to me right now, but the fact of the matter is I'm pretty high on him. Hodgins as well. I really like his film is even better than Slayton in my mind because he can do a lot of the things that I don't think Slayton does as good a job of extending away from his frame, hands catching the football, winning on those kind of in breaking underneath slant type routes that we run a lot where it's like Hodgins does such a good job of doing a lot of what we said, like with Addison, by the way, when we did his profile, just like using his upper half to sell his routes and to dictate the coverage and to get the the defensive back moving in one direction and then beat him the other way. And so I really like Hodgins there too. That's three guys right off the top of my head. I weirdly kind of like Shepard and, and Crowder, whatever they can get out of both of them, just for that Richie James role, which you already see is like an uberactive role. So as of now, Nick, I'm like, okay with where they're at receiver considering they also have Darren Waller on the roster, who to me is their number one weapon and also essentially a receiver. I know we're going to call him a tight end for the sake of this podcast, whatever he's a receiver. Now we go to their first position, right? That's the position we can, do you have anything else on receiver? Or do we transition? The one one more way? thing on wide yeah. receiver. If yep. you do add a Quentin Johnston or an explosive wide receiver who might dictate coverage in certain situations, depending on how they translate their game from year from college to year one, you're talking about defenses worrying about Saquon Barkley, one of the most prolific running backs in the league. Darren Waller, who is, I would say he's a top, what, two, three, if healthy, tight end. And in terms of being explosive, arguably number one, I think Kyle Pitts would have something to say about that, but he's in that conversation. And then this rookie who you can put out there. So your 11 personnel package would contain Saquon Barkley, Darren Waller, that player, and then Whoever else you want to put out there, Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, Parrish Campbell, Wano Robinson. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just giving Daniel Jones something he has never had, which is explosive playmakers and a lot of options and a coaching staff that can maximize it. So that's why I have wide receivers. Yes. That and the reason that the Giants don't have wide receivers past this season. Those are the reasons why I, I really think wide receivers high. But let's get into cornerback, dude, because cornerback to me is with this system, with the amount of man coverage that Wink Martindale runs, it's it's a pretty pressing need. It's the number one need for me by far in a tier of its own. You broke down two of the main reasons. The system, it's insanely important. Um, with Wink Martindale, it's insanely important to play man coverage. Also, one of my own main reasons that I've hammered home over the years in this podcast is I'm a big believer in the uh, Hulk, the uh, using that greater than sign pass coverage over pass rush in the NFL at this stage. Look, I see it even more and more now the more I watch football quarterbacks are just getting rid of the football fast. And if they're not, it's on them. It's not on the actual coaching, the idea and the system and what they're somatically trying to do. The objective of now every single one of these coaching staffs essentially is get the ball out early, find layup passes, find layup routes to just be easy completions. And that doesn't mean that's all they're going to be. Sometimes they're set up so well based on the spacing and route combinations that these are going to be post catch opportunities too for big time yards after the catch. But the point is the layup is there for the quarterback. The ball is out of their hand. So you need guys who can 
can hold up in man coverage because the ball's going to be out fast and you need to have guys who can stick to these wide receivers. So with those three factors in the positional importance as breaking down by that, the importance as it fits to Wink Martindale's system, like you went over Nick and the man coverage responsibilities. And then the third factor here, <laughs> the Giants don't really have any corners on this roster. What are we talking about here? Like people are like, oh, don't worry about cornerback. What? Don't worry about what, because you saw a couple okay snaps from Fabian Moreau and Nick McLeod, who weren't really even that okay, but just were like good enough. And in a lot of ways are not long-term pieces at all to me in this, on this roster. So you have a Dory Jackson, right? Who's our best corner by far has been injured every single season of his career. Let's start by saying that is not, has not been extended. They have not restructured to extend that contract yet. So to me, that tells me at least Joe Shane is not fully comfortable with him long-term. So there may not be a long-term future for him. After that, dude, I like Cordell Flott a lot. You know, I was very high on him in the draft. You like him a lot, too. We like his movement skills. We like his click and close. We like his fluid hips. But that's still a project. Like you said or earlier on a few other podcasts, he's still a project. There's not something we can count on. He's I'll put him in the Azudu range, right? Like we can look at him just like Azudu. We look, we talked about Azudu with Gar. So now that's your two. And we're still talking about Azudu type. And at minimum, today's NFL, you need two corners on the field. But that's not even a real reality. The real reality is you have three corners on the field for almost every single snap. Who are those three corners right now, both short and long-term? It's a Dory, it's Flott, then what, Darnay Holmes, who's not really good. He's good around the line of scrimmage. He's good at attacking screen passes. He's good at attacking downhill. He's grabby as hell in coverage. He's not someone I trust. Aaron Robinson coming off a season-ending injury. That's not something you can ever trust coming off an injury. What else? Like, that's the big issue I have here. Leonard Johnson, somebody they signed from Duke, who didn't even play last year. So now you're talking about a position that most of the time has three on the field at once, Nick. And that's just if you're lucky enough to get them all healthy for a year. The reality is they're most likely going to get injured. So now you need three, four, five, six guys type of thing at this position to rotate in when they get injured. But a minimum of three on the field at all times with Wink, it's sometimes four. Where are they and who are they? There isn't any. And to me, when you look at every position that we just went over as our biggest needs, this one to me is by far the most glaring because of what I just broke down. And you could talk about long term, right? You have flawed on that rookie deal, but Dory Jackson has a void year after this season. He might not be around. Aaron Robinson, yep. third round pick in 2021, missed all last season. Are we relying on him? The Giants bring, bring in Amani Oruorie to be ostensibly a, a third cornerback, hopefully. Like if he's starting for you, that's a freaking issue. The Giants need depth here. I like Nick McLeod probably more than, than many, but you don't want to rely on Nick McLeod. He should be a sub-package player. When the Giants do go in a quarter, you can bring in an Aaron Robinson and Nick McLeod, but who are those two starting outside guys? If Flott wins that job, excellent. That's great. I don't know if he's quite there yet. I don't think he there's anything on his film to suggest that you would be comfortable heading into the season with him as your starter. And that's not a knock on him. It's just he didn't really play all that often down the stretch of the season. So I still want a, a player who can compete with Flott at right cornerback, left cornerback, whatever, starting. And then if Adore Jackson isn't on the team next year, if he's not extended, what have you, you have that rookie and Cordell Flott maybe being your starters. I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants spend two early-ish picks, like two top 160 picks at the cornerback position because of all the sub-packages that Wink Martindale runs. And you look at some of the players, like I don't think those top three that we've gone over, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, Devon Witherspoon from Illinois, or Deontay Banks from Maryland are going to be around at 25. But Cam Smith, thanks. yeah, same here. Cam Smith, he'll probably be around from, from South Carolina. Got to watch his tape. Julius Brents from Kansas State. And Julius Brents, look... 
I don't think he's an ideal fit for man coverage, but you're talking about an elite athlete other than maybe his recovery speed. But this guy tested like 99th percentile and 90 in the broad jump, 96 in the vert, 93 in the three cone, his wingspan. He has some of the longest arms ever seen at the cornerback position. And that reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Smith. who was drafted well before Martindale was the defensive coordinator for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. I can see the Giants liking a player like this who is just a freak athlete on paper and has some really damn good tape as well. And there's other players that we'll go over as well throughout this. I mean, I'm really excited for our cornerback show that we're going to do here in a couple of weeks. But man, dude, looking at the cornerback position, knowing what Wink Martindale wants to do, knowing this system, I think it's the biggest need on this roster, especially long-term if Adore Jackson isn't here. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's even really close. And it's dire at this point for me. Like, it's not dire in the sense that, look, they got away with having the Nick McClouds of the world out there at times and Moreau. But did they really get away with it? They didn't really make much. Like, when the Eagles needed to find an explosive play in the past game, they did in that game. Do you want to know why they didn't throw for that many yards in that game? Quite frankly, they didn't need to. Like, that's all the only reason it was. They just simply didn't need to in that game. If they needed to, they could. The first play of the game was an explosive play to Devontae Smith, and they just ripped it up. And Julian Love was late on that play. And not that he even has the kind of recovery speed to keep up with an athlete like, like Devontae Smith. But you're in a division that has A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith on one team. Who's matching up against that? Then you got another team that has Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb. Then you got another team that has Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. That's just in the division, right? So, like, you need to have guys who can match up with these guys. You can't be throwing the Nick McLeods and Fabian Rose of the world out into the pasture against these guys unless your pass rush is the most elite thing ever. And we already know the Giants' pass rush isn't the most elite thing ever. You know, it's not like an immediate into the backfield kind of pressure on every snap basis. No team really can is able to do that, which, again, stresses why it's so important in today's NFL with the quarterback getting rid of the ball so fast to have coverage guys. People can hold up. And on top of the Jerry on top is what you said first, Nick, which we still can't just bury. This is a Wink Marndale system. We need man coverage guys. That's what he runs. Yeah. He put wants to put these guys on island. Like this is this is not like your typical zone system where you can just kind of ooh, um, I'm Pete Carroll. I find a six foot four guy to play on my like my outside corner, and this fits my system, and it doesn't, and I can hide all of the things he can't do in man coverage. No, you can't. There's no hiding in this system. And that's the it puts the spotlight on the corner position more than a lot of other defensive systems, which makes it even more important for a team like the Giants. I really want to get into Mississippi State's Emmanuel Forbes soon. And I'm going to People watch like his him. tape. I know I've seen his name pop up a lot. I know he had a lot of interceptions. So I know he is skinnier than Levi Wallace was coming out of Alabama back in like 2018 or whenever that was. Like He's yeah. a very thin dude with very, very thin legs. As we saw last year, Joe Shane wasn't deterred by that. And he selected a player like Cordell Flott, who was mm. similar. So I'll have to watch his tape. He's a junior, so he's a little bit younger. And I'll probably get back to the uh, audience at the end of the week, whenever I'm done with his, him and Cam Smith are my next two on my dock. And I got to watch DJ Turner as well. The kid from Michigan, but I, yeah. I'm sorry, man. I just think cornerback is the giants need to invest in that position. Is DJ Turner. People love DJ Turner. Is DJ Turner, the guy who's a bit undersized as well. Yeah. He's like really undersized, right? Yeah, Michigan. I think he played outside. A lot of people say he's a slot. I got to yes, watch him. Slot. Yeah, people really like him. And so that whenever I hear that, Nick, I never hear about those guys. I think about the other guy. Who was the guy who came out of Michigan a while ago who was really good on film but undersized? Jordan Lewis? Yeah. And he's yeah, been, he was okay for a while in the NFL with the yeah, Cowboys. And there's been, yeah, go ahead. Nah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a good player. Yeah. 
there's been a lot of those guys who are quote unquote just not big enough or supposedly to play, and then they end up being really good because they were really good in college and they and they have the the really good tape. Um, so I always like investing in those types of guys. I'm trying to think of a few other examples that have come out recently. There definitely are some that are just escaping me at the moment. But yeah, that'll be a player I'm interested to see too. All right, Nick, anything else today on Giants' biggest needs, or do we wrap it up there? I think we can wrap it up there. I would say the Giants, they could still invest in tight end. I don't think it's a biggest need by any stretch of the imagination, but I think I'm comfortable though with Chris Myrick being the third tight end on the team with Lawrence Cager being some kind of unique weapon that's like a poor man's Darren Waller. And then Tommy Sweeney can compete with Chris Myrick as well. Running back is still something that I think if the Giants don't have Saquon Barkley in their long-term plans, then who do you have beyond him? Matt Breed is one year. Gary Brightwell has what another, this would be another two years left this year and the next on his contract. And then just Sean Corbin, if he sticks around the kid from Florida state, the undrafted uh, rookie last year, that's, that's really not necessarily a position that you have long-term depth. If Saquon does not retain here on the team. So running back is another one, but again, that's positional value wise. I don't think it's nearly as important as a lot of the other positions that we've gone over. Yeah. I think you did a good job breaking down that as well. Thank you to everyone tuning into the Big Blue Banter podcast. Remember, if you want to help us grow, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating and in your review, you post your mock draft, we will grade and talk about your mock draft on the coming podcast. So far, I haven't seen any, but iTunes is sometimes slow to um, update with the reviews. So if you have written one already, just DM me or Nick and we'll get it on the next show. But if I then do that and I do see ultimately in a week or two that you never actually did post that review and you claimed you did and you wanted it read, <laughs> I'll be very disappointed in you. I won't be mad. I'll be very disappointed in you. And hopefully I will figure out some kind of repercussion for this type of behavior. <laughs> uh, that is that is uh, that's fair and understandable. But other than that, help us grow by joining our YouTube page, hitting subscribe and make sure if you're watching this on YouTube right now. Hit the like button, man. You got to hit that like button. Uh, please, please. I mean, we, we go nowhere without the like. So hit the like button. Um, other than that, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.